Hello and welcome to Collisions YYC. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Today on the show, I was honored to host Ms. Mary Moran, the President and CEO at Calgary Economic Development. Mary and I settle in for a good old-fashioned chat. We talk about Calgary, we talk about the way forward, we talk about... We talk honestly about some of the challenges we're having as well as the opportunities. Mary brings the perspective of not only her role at CED from 2010, the CEO since 2015, she brings her passion as a proud Calgarian and isn't scared to talk about the real issues that we're facing as well as the optimism for the road forward. Join me for a good old-fashioned chat with Mary Moran. Calgary Economic Development, you guys have been dealing with so many challenges as a city, we've been dealing with it. And then we got this, like the double black swan, which I love has become like, was was not necessarily common vernacular that became very quickly, everybody speak. How's it been for you guys getting kind of the one, two, like one, two, three, four punch? Like, I don't know how many punches has the city gotten in the last five years? Well, I mean, if you think about seven years, including the flood, it's been, it's been quite a time for sure. Right. And so Obviously, we really worry about this twin crisis or triple crisis, being the medical, the economic crisis, plus, you know, the global oil price war, which it's too early to tell if it's going to have another structural change on the energy industry, which is Mm -hmm. the foundation of which we uh, COVID was delivered, right, which was a structural change in the energy industry. And we had a long way back. And so. Um, you know, the foundation uh, was still fragile. And when I say fragile, I don't mean that they're, um, you know, obviously we want the energy industry to be as healthy as possible, but, you know, we had a disproportionate number of highly skilled, highly educated, unemployed people in the city and uh, weren't able to find them jobs because the energy industry would be the first to confess that they're not going to be the mega job creator that they were in the past. And we have a disproportionate amount of empty office space so we have a disproportionate amount of office space period in the sense that we have you know double toronto on a per capita basis triple houston pittsburgh uh denver on a per capita basis and we have four I've times never, i've never heard i've never heard that's mm-hmm. double toronto I spend a lot. Yeah. On a per, I spend a lot of time mm-hmm. in Toronto, just that, that comparison right away. I, my brain works in like this versus that. That's a pretty yeah. powerful number just in itself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. We have enough office space. If you calculate it on a per capita basis, we have enough office space for a population of about 4 million people. And so we're a far cry from that. So that's the lens that I look at. Right. And so the lens I look at is, is we have to have parallel strategies. We have to defend the energy industry but we have to look for other opportunities. Because as the end of the industry, it, you know, as it comes back or what that even looks like, it's different than it was before. To, to your point, it's not just going to be, oh, that was a blip. And I know Calgary, a lot of people I've talked to for been here for a long time, they love to, or not anymore, but it was like, oh, this is just another blip. We've mm-hmm. gone long enough and it's going to be fundamentally changed. I don't think that story is really out there as much as it was a few years ago. Yeah, without a doubt. It, the 2014 was a structural change and it took us probably about 18 to 24 months to figure it out that it was a structural change. And this could potentially be another structural change. You worsen the cause when you're landlocked, right? And we can't get the value. And and yet as a country, we're importing oil from other places in the world. But, you know, um, you know, I think the, you know, with respect to environmental, social and governance goals, there's not a better producer in the world. And so if you think about replacing coal in places like China, we have solutions for global climate action with our, well, and, and our gas. Mm-hmm. And so, 
and not to mention we're good at wind and solar and becoming increasingly so more interested and keen on geothermal and other forms of renewable. So, you know, I look at our package and think we have all things energy uh, and none of, none of them are perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And, but we do have a better bundle of energy and we do it better than anywhere else in the world. And from your perspective, and I've had people on the show that have said this, and some people have disagreed, do we also have a have a brand problem in the sense of like our inability to tell? Because what you just said, I believe in, but does the rest of the world, like it's a good story. Is it getting out? Mm-hmm. I guess is the question. Yeah, I you're, think- you're, you're on the global stage, so you probably have good optics on that. Absolutely. And we do a lot of perception research. And so there's there's two parts to the 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 global perception and and or national perception. And I would say, uh, you know, there's a perception of energy and then there's their perception of what is actually going on here in Calgary. So, and unfortunately, you know, when you run through a year like we did in 2019 with a provincial and a federal election and energy was at the top of the discussion and debate, uh, it's hard to, um, you know, it's hard to change that image, right? And so there are, are a lot of things going on here in Calgary uh, that people aren't aware of. And, um, but I think people only think of us as oil and gas and they should think of us as oil and gas. We are, we'll always be an energy center, but we're so much more than that. So there's that part of it is what are we? And then there's how good are we at, at oil and gas or all things energy? And both of those are misperceptions are not just across the country, but around the world. I do love the concept of what you said of all things energy because the world needs we, we know the, the concept of energy abundance. It's not just you know carbon or, mm-hmm. or it's not talking about it that way. I had Mark Stacku on from the Alberta Wind Energy Association. I had a gentleman Chris Dernboss on a couple of days ago talking about lithium and where he sees the potential in Alberta. When you start broadening the conversation, it's we are so much more. But you're right. I go to Toronto. I go. I have family in Quebec, and oh yeah, you guys are still talking about oil. Like it's is such a disconnect in terms of the perception mm-hmm. versus what's actually going on. Maybe just one layer behind the the media for sure (laughs) yeah and i think the unfortunate part is is it's it's you know i think we take energy all forms of energy uh, well particularly oil and gas i think we take it for granted um you know Mm. i think that you know energy fossil fuels just appeared in our lives and our lives got dramatically better and nobody asked the question why right and so if you think about covid what we've been living in covid covid would be not completely but our life would be reduced even more or or you know uh, much more contracted with respect to the things we experience the food we have the people we yeah. see etc if you took oil and gas out of our lives and so um you know i uh, i always have this dream about you know let's do a a a, uh, a ad campaign that takes a christmas like scene norman rockwell-esque scene and we start shutting down Christmas and see, you know, you can't, there's no Game Boy or iPad underneath the tree. There's no turkey cooked. There's no, uh, you, you, you can't, you know, fly. I, to, I, I, could, I could picture this happy image just slowly deteriorating through the, like the removal exactly. of one and another. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I like, as a marketer, I, I like where that, I like where that's going. I, we don't want to air it around Christmas. I think that would just, it might, there might be some backlash against that. I know. Well, but, yeah. But, but, but how do you do something dramatic it. enough? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think the other part too, is we don't humanize it. Right. So people will stand up and say, you know, fossil fuels will kill you. You've ruined my future. And we stop, stand up and say, yeah, but it's really good for the economy and it creates jobs, which it does. But that's not the problem. You know, any marketer knows that you've got to f- solve a problem. You've got to show what the benefits yes. are. 
And so yes. we, if, if you don't understand up, how it translates to the individual, then it, then you're just, then you're just kind of both talking past each other at the end of the day. Yeah. And it, we, we switched into consumer marketing somewhere between 10 and seven years ago, but we weren't paying attention to it. And although there's been lots of very scientific videos created about the processes and the pipelines and et cetera, but we aren't talking about our higher purpose, which is to serve the world with, with cleaner solutions anywhere else in the world, anywhere else in the world, right? And the best standards. And so that's where I, I wish we did just stand up and say, put a stake in the ground and say, look, Alberta and Canada has solutions for global climate action. Because we do. That's the reality of it is we do. Um, but, you know, we, we will talk, we'll tend to talk to people about the process, the pipelines and the product. And it's kind of, I always use this consumer comparison of Apple versus TiVo right? Apple clearly states what its purpose is. You know, when they first came out and were trying to break into the PC market, they always talked about, I will save you from conformity. Apple will save you from conformity, right? And then they said, and they created this persona of being young and intelligent and stylish and cool, right? Well, that's not the persona of the energy industry. But if you walk downtown in downtown Calgary, you know, we have young, intelligent, innovative, and many, many socially conscious people in this community. Mm -hmm. And yes, so that's I, a persona you need to put forward. So curious, yeah, you said it and I, and I like it, you know, wh why don't, why, why, what's holding us back from putting that stake in the ground? Cause you know, the way you said it, I'm like, as a Calgarian, I'm fully on board with that. I think a lot of, a lot of Calgarians would be or are, but we're doing it quietly with each other. What is holding us back from that stake in the ground? Like from, I know we're only Calgary. It's, it's hard to have a conversation about Calgary without talking about the broader picture pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah, and, and this is just, uh, yeah, I mean, it, so we, there's about branding the energy industry, and then there's the branding of Calgary, and right now we're talking about branding the energy industry, but we need to talk about branding Calgary, because that's a whole other story um, that that is a bigger piece. Um, you know, I just think, you know, and we have a lot of super smart, highly educated, scientific-minded people in this city, but we're in consumer marketing, and what we need to do is hire the people that understand, you know, behavioral science and understand uh, how you make a product and humanize it for people uh, and how you also, you know, help move from a negative to a positive perception, right? And that those are things that we're not really hiring the experts we need to. And, you know, like you, I'm a marketer. I'm, I grew up my whole career has been around consumer marketing and it's not to simplify it because it, it isn't easy. It is not easy, but I would say it's rare for us to hit even close to the mark of what, how we need to communicate to the rest of the world. And I'm not talking about greenwashing people here. You yes. Know, I, I was going to bring up the obvious, this polarizing, if, if you're pro energy, you're anti-environment. If you're, if you're pro-environment, you're anti-energy. There's this weird dichotomy that seems to have been created. And certainly the media does a very good job. And you mentioned the election. I think that created this very much this versus that. And it's not yeah. about trying to whitewash one with or greenwash one, one with the other, but understanding, yeah. understanding the why, like just getting to the why to use the, you know, overuse kind of Simon Sinek. We never talk about the why of oil gas. We talk about the what and the how a lot. And That's I right. don't think that resonates with people, especially outside of this province, like you said. And, and I don't think it's just about just a campaign, by the way, right? Like it is, it is, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like it's not. Rhetoric, right? yes. That's right. Like, but I would just say, you know, the media are grossly unfair to the energy industry. And I think, you know, one of the parts, like I remember, I'm not going to tell you what media outlet it was, but I was very frustrated when the Fort McMurray fires were happening and they were talking about loss of production 
in the Canadian energy industry. And of course, the picture they tend to use is like a two-page spread of Syncru, which is an open pit mine, right? Because it's ugly. It's ugly, right? It is not a pretty site. But it's only 10% of oil oil sands production, right? And so why do we, I, you know, it, it feels lazy to me to continue to use images oh, like makes, that. It, when, makes good, it makes good headlines. Uh, I know. We both know, if, it, if, I know. It old, if, it bleeds, if it bleeds, it leads, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and so that's, you got to figure out how you overcome that kind of things. But I even think about the education system and it's, you know, it's criminal to me that we don't do energy advocacy in our province. Uh, because I'm worried about what is being taught and not just in our province, but across the country. And I, I, I mean, I don't have children in it, but I hear horrific experiences about kids coming home and, and uh, you know, I just, you, you need to teach kids how to critically think and you need to present both sides of the story. Right. And I, I'm sure if you presented both sides of the story that kids would conclude that, yeah, we need all things energy. Cause you know what? I do want my, my, uh, iPads or my i um, my iPad or you know I do want a new bike and I do want I want you know, all my stuff I want all my stuff, my that, stuff that comes from a derivative that we don't ever I've have some friends that work in the well obviously in Calgary you can't not and the stories that I've heard and the frustrations from a few of the dads and the moms of like their ten year old coming home and at the kitchen table telling them all the reasons why what they do for a living is going to kill everyone and they're like what is happening in the schools so, yes I've had some very very fired up parents talking about then going in and trying to say hey this is like my lifeblood and you're educating my children that I'm doing something wrong it's, they felt very unfair to the point of it to, to, it got heated let's put it that way yeah but I would say the people that are opposing the energy industry their one strength is marketing and communications right and our one weakness is marketing and communications. And I, again, I don't, it is a fully integrated effort that you require here. It's not just about a marketing campaign, right? And, uh, but there's lots of examples of people that have overcome negative perceptions. I always talk about the top trusted 50 brands in the world. And, and you'd be amazed at how many times Marlboro cigarettes ends up in top 50 brands. Right? Or even more importantly, how many, car companies. I was, I was thinking about Volkswagen. Customers. I was thinking about Volkswagen when you were talking right. and kind of what they went through a few years ago. And it almost felt like barely a blip for them from a brand perspective on being this trusted like leader, even though they caught, caught with their hand in the cookie jar. <laughs> right. But even prior to that whole Volkswagen incident, like most of the car companies, the automobile companies were in top 50 brands forever. And yet that is where the majority of the emissions occur, right? Yes, the, the comments recently about there's there's no smog in Beijing or LA right now. Why is that? Because we're not driving. You know, those not to not to get into a conversation yeah. about combustion, vehicles, yeah. electric vehicles. But you're you're right about what where we're pointing the villain versus you know some of the things that actually create create impact and how we have to look at the like you have to look at a broader story. I was going to say, you know, I think Canadians need to take a global perspective on how how we help the world, right? Not just about. You know, this is again, is who are we trying to help here? We're not just trying to help Canadians reduce greenhouse gas emissions. We're trying to help the world in, in comparison. We're, we're, all, we're, all in the, we're all in the same bubble. We're, we're all in this. We're all on the same island, technically. Yeah, for sure. When it, especially when it comes to in, environment and emissions. So from a Calgary economic development perspective, mm -hmm. like we're talking about some really big, broad topics mm -hmm. right now. So sure. where do you guys kind of dovetail into that? Because obviously you guys have a mandate and you're very involved sure. in the community. I see you everywhere. Just trying to understand, I guess, even from a part of the show is exposing my audience to maybe things they were aware of, but didn't really understand or didn't know. So from a CED perspective, like kind of where does your preview start and stop against some of these bigger issues that we're talking about? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I I think uh, you know we 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 support and haven't historically supported energy advocacy, but I would just say the way how heightened and intense the conversation is now, uh, we tend to follow, you know, particularly the provincial government uh, because they have the stronger voice, and so you you have to really be careful about not creating too much noise, right? Um, a few years ago, we did this fantastic video. Uh, which was called Canada, We Need to Talk, which was talking about the energy industry and about it's, it uh, was Andrew Fung was the um, featured in it. It was a bit of a rant. Yeah. And it was, it was yeah, really, I, 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 I rem- yeah, I remember seeing it. <laughs> yeah. And I think I wish we ran with that at the time because it was, the, it was the right message at the right time and it isn't the right message at the right, at the right time now, but I really, mm-hmm. it was underplayed that, uh, that video, but so, you know, we do play an energy advocacy, but you know, we really tend to follow, follow as opposed to, to lead. But, you know, I think just back to our office space in this, talent is is that in in the energy industry not being the mega Mm -hmm. job creator part of our job as a city level and with the shareholder you know our primary shareholder although we don't get all of our funding from the city but we get a a big portion of it is uh, they have a revenue problem that's caused by the 14 million square feet of empty office space so our job is to look for other opportunities but we can't mislead people there is no silver bullet here for calgary and and it it is going to take it's going to take dedication and commitment and alignment um, for us to solve the problems. And yet there's big macro trends that are coming towards us that we should be taking advantage of. And we have a whole bunch of other ingredients that purposely set or, you know, perfectly set us up to do and define ourselves as, as slightly different than we have been defined in the past. Okay. Um, so what, so, what are some of the, what are some of the top on your mind? And I've spent some time mm-hmm. on your website and, but what are sure. the ones that for you that you feel like, yeah, these are the ones where we've really got to, you know, it's not too late, but we need to get on it kind of mindset. Yeah. So, and, and I, and I want to start off by saying, you know, we spend an inordinate amount of time at looking at the, at other jurisdictions that have come out of, you know, structural changes in their economy, like we're experienced um, and how they did it. And it typically is, is, and when I say typically, I would say 99% of the time, it's usually by building on their strength, right? And so if you think about what our strength is, the things that we excel at, well, we excel at industrial sectors. We excel at energy. We excel at agriculture. We excel at transportation, logistics, aerospace. And we're getting better and better at things like life sciences with amazing research being done out of both the major two post-secondaries, U of A and U of C, and we're good at other things that are smaller sectors, but we're really, you know, punch above our weight, like creative industries, film and television, and even, you know, moving into digital uh, digital and interactive media, right? And so, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, when, when we look at that and you look at the trends that are coming towards those sectors, the biggest trend that we can see is, is advanced technology. So artificial intelligence, machine learning, Autonomous systems, robotics, AR, VR are coming towards these sectors. And they're coming towards these sectors because there's going to be 25 billion uh, mobile devices connected by 2025, right? And so people can operate things from a head office in Calgary that they never used to be able to. They'd have to go out into the field to. And when you look at the disproportionate spend that's going to be happening in our industrial sectors around the world, there's such a great opportunity for Calgary because we're really good at those industrial sectors, world-class in some cases, 
We have world-class research in the emerging opportunities. Uh, we have scientific-minded people in Calgary, uh, traditional engineering mostly, but they know where, when, and why to use data. Uh, and we have to marry it up with kind of more uh, the advanced technologies or the people that know how to do it with those those mobile applications or digital applications, right? And so, you know, so we, we were, okay, well, that makes sense. There's, you know, expected globally, there's $14 trillion in, expected to be injected into GDP value as a result of, you know, digitization across sectors. Like, it's, you know, there's a saying that is tech isn't a sector anymore. It's just a way of doing business. Yes, that's come true. up. That's come up frequently. When I first started the podcast, even a year ago, it was said more as a sector. But lately, people are like, "Well, let's be honest. It's not a sector. It's just an underpinning of of. It's more of a movement, actually." <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm happy to hear other people have been saying because it's been lonely yes, standing I, I, saying this. <laughs> <laughs> it's but the it's, last six months. People have been like, "Well, let's be honest. Let's stop calling it a sector, okay?" Yeah. So no, it's absolutely getting out there a little bit. Or certainly the people I've been talking to. Well, the number yeah. in Alberta, the 18.7 billion number that I've seen floating right. around like over the next three years. Two. I'm curious. And two not, years. not to make this two years. Oh, okay. Even better. Um, so, and not to, not to make this about a COVID conversation. It's hard not to. Do you see anything shifting or uh, mm-hmm. accelerating because of some of the, you know, I've seen a meme go around and like, who's responsible for digital transformation at your company? CEO, the CTO, the CFO, COVID-19. So I think that there is some things right. have been accelerated. So how, what, what are your thoughts on, on the impact that's going to have? Are we just going to get to where we were headed faster? I think we will. So unfortunately, uh, so back to that 18. So we went and validated our hypothesis to say, okay, who's going to invest in digital technologies? And it was 18 and 18 and a half billion to what's a, what's a few million between friends here, but enough, right? Enough to pay attention to. And when you look at it compared to the digital spend across the country, it's actually, we would hold the significant share in Alberta of that digital spend. And then you look at what, yeah. And then you think about the jobs that are required and the type of jobs and we need 77,000 software engineer and data scientists by 2023. And so it is a job creator and it's a, it's a, it's a two-step for people to transition into this that are sitting on the sidelines. And so, you know, I, we have an opportunity to own building on our strength of those industrial sectors to become the digital center of excellence or the digital transformation center of excellence in Canada, because the head offices are here of energy, agriculture, transportation, aerospace, and, you know, and, and they hold, they are the holders of the data and tech people like to be close to the holders of the data and, and solve problems together. There is, we could become, you know, the industrial innovation center in downtown Calgary very quickly and very easily if we were very focused and very aligned and in, in, and really put, uh, it would make us more like, you know, as one of the multinational companies said to me, when there's so much volatility and uncertainty with respect to global oil price work, you can't control that. Completion of pipelines, you can't control that. Carbon price, it seems we can't control that. Uh, You know, we, um, regulatory process, we can't control that. The one thing that companies can control right now is investing in technologies that will make them more competitive, more productive, and more predictive. That's a nice way to, I love how you limit it by the, all the things that are just almost inherently de-risking, de-risking, de-risking. And then finally you get to the thing like, okay, this is the one thing that some external force isn't going to overly influence for me. 
You said mm-hmm. you said a word in there that I heard loud and clear that sorry, I resonated for me. You said the word aligned. Mm-hmm. Are we still struggling to get aligned? I think so. And I think that it, everybody for their right reasons, uh, you know, have their own agendas. So, you know, I, I think it, it would be, um, and, and, and I really want to be clear that I'm not criticizing here. I just think that people know what they know, right? And so if I think about the provincial's understanding of the energy industry, the provincial government's understanding of the energy industry, and I think about the federal government's understanding of innovation and technology, if we could marry those two things together, we would have a path. <laughs> and I think that path would have yeah. less obstacles in front of it. And so I think, you know, there are very, very smart and committed people that are in those roles, leadership roles. And, and I would love to marry the two of them. It's interesting. It's one of the questions I often ask at the end is, you know, which two industries aren't hanging, aren't spending enough time together that can benefit from each other. And how do we like, you know, collide them together? You said marry them together, which is a nicer thought than the collision, <laughs> but that's an interesting perspective. So we're just, yeah, we're not, we're not getting the right people in the room going, yeah, I agree. I see your side. I see your side. Here's where there are common ground is let's, let's push it. Forward. Yeah. Yeah. A big part and- of the show is about being positive, but it's also like, there's what we're doing well, but if we don't talk about what we're not doing well, you know, hope is not a strategy, that, that old chestnut. So yeah. you know, what, what are we doing to not get, not, not to get out of our own way? Because sometimes it feels like we are, like we've got all the makings for the cake, but we just can't get it into the oven. <laughs> yeah. And I think, um, you know, it's still, look, at, look at, and it's not just about the politicians. I think it's about the two, two groups. So I wanted to go back to the comment about, you know, when we say technology isn't, I learned this the hard way, by the way, but technology okay. is not a sector. It's a way of doing business. The workers like to be called tech workers. Right. Okay. And so from a, speaking of branding and labeling and a sense of identity. <laughs> yeah. Like they, they want to tell people they work in artificial intelligence. They don't want to say, Hey, I work in oil and gas. Right. And I understand and respect that. And this goes back to the perception of Calgary. So, you know, we, we, as I say, we monitor perceptions and part of it is, is we, we have, you know, pre-COVID like two to 3000 jobs that have been open continually for the last couple of years, right? There was 27% growth in tech jobs last year in Calgary alone, which is about, you know, approximately 4,000 jobs, which is a job creator. Like it's, you know, it's not hundreds of thousands, but it's, you know, it's, it's noticeable. And the fact it, it grew, it's, 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 a, it, it's a trend in a direction towards the 2023 number you shared. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so, but when you, we, and so we need some particularly, we need all levels, but we need some real key senior people in this community to help, not just those that are in the industrial sectors, but the benevities and the, and the soliums or share works and the antibiotics and the, you know, show passes in the, I mean, there's so many great tech companies that have so much promise that are somewhat the low ceiling on their growth is getting the right people in the right places. So, you know, we, we've been asking Canadians and across the U S and into the international markets that we think where there's a propensity to move, uh, you know, what's their perception of Calgary. And they, and we asked them specifically, do you think we're innovative and entrepreneur? And that, that in Canada has been deteriorating at a, alarming rate for me anyway compared to where we were even a couple of years ago so we have a lot of work to do here at home but when you ask do you think you have we have a tech sector and only 30 percent of canadians think that we have a tech sector so that's a a discouraging number slightly (laughs) right and it's 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 increased a little bit uh in, in the latter part or the early part of this year latter part of 2019 but you know tech workers they don't 
they want to know they don't they're not going to move their family and wherever from silicon valley where it's much more expensive to live they're going to move to calgary or vancouver even where it's much more expensive to live <laughs> and they're not going to move to calgary for their first job what they want to know is they have a second third and fourth job and if people yes, don't I've think that, that we've had that exact conversation yeah where do where do i go as i evolve in my career <laughs> that's right and if they don't think there's a tech ecosystem here then how are we going to get them here so we've got to really collectively start telling the stories about some of these great companies that are growing at a rapid rate have had to put offices in other towns or cities right because they can't attract the digital or tech the tech workforce here we've really got to start to change that perception of of what calgary has to offer and so uh you know for me so we we started a campaign called live tech love life and, mm -hmm. and yep. part of that yeah. was yeah and so part of that was just to say hey you know there is a tech industry going on here and by the way did you know you get a view of the mountains every day right like because that lever, the quality of life is very appealing to people. You're going to commute for 20 minutes, not an hour or two hours a day. The quality of life here is astronomically high, in my opinion, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And if you can get it on people's radar, it's hard for them to say no. When you educate them on what's here, they're, they're, you know, we can, we can, and we have attracted some really good talent, but we need, mm -hmm. you know, such a significant uh, number that we, we've got to work harder on it. Any thoughts or comments on this? You know, we've we've been forced into an experiment of distributed work or work from home or whatever you want to call it. I like the distributed mm -hmm. work concept. I'm mm -hmm. Curious on your thoughts on the impact that's going to have. Like, I, I've even we're having talks with our own. Like, some people want to can't wait to get back to the other the office. Mm -hmm. Other people love working from home. I'm mm -hmm. I'm I'm curious, and this is more just a blue sky question. Like, what what we think the impact might be on all that commercial real estate, or mm -hmm. you know what? They don't have to move to Calgary anymore. They can live wherever they want. They can work for mm -hmm. me. And I've been, of course, going down the podcast road and you pick a topic, there's a, there's enough content to read about it. But yeah, the distributed definitely. work is interesting. And my wife working in oil and gas, a traditional industry or her company that was like, if we don't see you, you're not working. And they've proved very quickly that they're actually almost more productive. So I don't know. Any thoughts on where that might take us as things unfold? Yeah. I mean, I look at, we ran a program called, created a program called WorkShift, which was exactly that distributed workforce. And part of it was the motivation that we did it is, you know, to help major cities. We actually, we piloted it for Transport Canada in Calgary. And interestingly, the adoption of flexible or distributed work. Uh, and I like both of those terms, both flexible and distributed work. Um, it, it, the adoption of it is actually quite high in Calgary, uh, which I think speaks to a lot of people work on contract, you know, we're a young workforce, et cetera. But, um, it can be, it can be a gig economy depending on what industry you're in, where you, you know, you move from place to place, but yeah, you're right. It, even you can have a quote unquote full-time job that still contracts that work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we, we actually started to, uh, we, we had kind of a playbook and started to, to sell it to other, other jurisdictions right and so um so i look at calgary post-covid and i think you know we have we've had a lot of kind of big sky discussions about this in, in with our senior management team and you know the one thing about calgary is the commute isn't isn't a big hurdle right like no it's way. not compared if to other spent any any time i lived in la for a while and i've also spent a lot of time in toronto we do not have traffic in calgary just for the record <laughs> yeah that's right and i think so other cities are going to experience it much more dramatically than we are but, right. you know, we as an organization have always practiced uh, work shifting and everybody was allowed to work from one 
work from home one day a week, which, you know, where productivity can increase like 40% just in the day because you're at home, you don't have the same disruptions, unless you're one of those people that think about laundry more than they think about get, writing the report. But, yes. <laughs> but it, it's, you know, uh, it's, it does, it does take just a pinch of discipline for sure, or, or, or creating, creating the right environment for yourself, for sure. Know thyself. Exactly. exactly. For me, I'm, I'm, I'm a very disciplined person, right? So I can actually work from home very effectively and uh, I quite enjoy it in some ways, but I do miss the social interaction. And I think a balance of the two is really important. So, you know, it might have an impact and worsen our available availability of uh, downtown office space, but it, it, I think it's too early to tell, but I think you're going to see a lot more flexibility. And I think that's really important because I do think that actually in increases productivity, but you have to have a balance of the two. Um, but I think also like there's a lot of people like, you know, I've had some fireside chats with my staff and there's lots of people that are worried about the health risks going back and not just. Oh yeah. In, in, in the near, in the near term, you know, if you push it out, but yeah, even just talking to some, I was a good friend of mine's a general manager at Longview here in Calgary and mm -hmm. they place individuals at companies and they have their own and they've got multiple yes. cities. He's like, it's a logistical nightmare to try to identify what's the parameters and what are the rules and what are our clients expecting? And he's like, I'm overwhelmed at the moment i'll get back to you but he goes i'm just trying to work through it and he goes it's it's a challenge it's very yeah. real <laughs> well and i think you know we have uh we've been talking a lot about how our downtown office space we've got to adjust to these tiny kind of tech companies where they like the big open floor plate 20 people sit at a table and you wonder if it's actually going to go back to offices right so which we have a lot of in calgary absolutely <laughs> So yeah, it might no, be a feature. My, 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 my staff seat, sit feet apart from each other and they're always huddling and always around. Like there is no social distancing in our current setup at all. Exactly. <laughs> so I'd say it's the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. Now it's, uh, this is going to be very interesting how it does change things. And uh, we, we just don't know, like everyone know the new normal. I, it's hard to imagine something that we've never got to yet. So I, I don't think it'll be a wholesale change because I think we are still, we need to connect with each other. We're still humans yeah. and yeah, the need to be in chair space, I think is, is going to be there. So for you when guys from a Calgary economic development, has this shifted anything for you guys in terms of priorities or is it just, or has it re-solidified the things you were already focusing on? Um, well, I think early indicated, yes, it has, because it's hard to go out to international markets at this time. So we've been doing a lot of business, local business outreach, and uh, that's been very, very helpful for helping us inform. So, you know, we are, we're, we're very, we've got a kind of three phase approach. And uh, I think our three phases in Calgary are different than most other cities. But, you know, our first, first and for our first um, priority, of course, was just to respond. And that is, you know, the federal government and the provincial government have all the tools to help during this period, particularly around liquidity for people and companies. And so our job has really just been curating the information and helping people understand what that information is. We're doing that outreach call. Here's the programs you should be looking at and, and the team's done a fantastic job of that thing and then creating some tools so we have a, a website called connecting yyc which uh, is a job board and a marketplace so you can find out what the COVID needs are there both for employment and or for a business that you want to respond to um, and then we're now starting to so that's kind of the respond mode the second phase is uh, rebuild and some and, and I think it is really about rebuilding. And then the third phase is recovery. So I just want going to rebuild. It's really going to be about how we continue or uh, encourage more support of local companies. Right. Um, so it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be, you know, just buying coffee from 
you know, Phil and Sebastian and not Starbucks because everybody is affected by this. But it is important that we have a much more, uh, a greater focus on supporting, particularly when it comes to corporate procurement, supporting local businesses. I think that's really, really important. Um, so the supporting local YYC is a campaign that we're working with and supporting through uh, through the City of Calgary Task Force. Um, and then when we get back to recovery, uh, recovery is, you know, every other jurisdiction will go back to growth, but we're still in recovery because we hadn't yeah, gotten yes, out I've of recovery. Heard that for many. We've, we've been back, we were back on our heels before this happened. <laughs> yes, that's correct. So we still have a lot of work and it, it's important people, you know, think of that era or that phase as, you know, 10 to 15, 20 year project, right? And so that that includes, you know, all the things we talked about is taking advantage of these kind of macro trends that are coming towards us and making sure that we have the right talent. We're embracing the technologies. We're still building a great place to live here and that we're a business friendly environment, right? And so that means mm -hmm. prevention provincially federally provincially and at the municipality level because we, we can't afford not to and we should be using best no, practices no, from around the world we, we need we need limitations removed and we need everybody kind of on the field if you if you will because this mm -hmm. isn't a time for anything to sit it out and and be on the sidelines That's so right. from a perspective you know just thinking about as we as we go forward uh, what are some of the indicators you look like? We're gonna let's blue sky a little bit. I've, yeah, I always sure. love Taz's. We're gonna we're gonna build our blue sky dashboard, and we're gonna go. Yay! It's six months from now, and I see this is changing. So that's a green. That's a check mark. And I know you guys are great. You guys do a great job of like here's what we're measuring, here's what we're monitoring. But in your world, what would be kind of your top three indicators that would let you know that hey, you know what? I think something. I think we're moving in the right direction because ten year horizon is hard for a lot of people. I, I have problems I need to solve today. Yeah, I know. But you know that ten to fifteen years is tough. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think, and, you know, one of our board chair has a, has a great expression and it's called, you know, unfortunately we're dealing with mystery with no history here. So what was important to me last week, what was important to me last week feels less important this week, right? You know, and so it's quite dynamic, but, you know, I think, uh, you, you know, from, from, from my perspective, obviously I want to see the, the kind of the dashboard for getting through this is, the first thing is going to be a higher oil price for sure, right? Yes, because well, it, it is critical. It is critical. I, I would like to see advancement of, of some of the pipelines. I'd like to see the, these people deployed to, you know, the abandoned wells. Those All those things have to be done right away. For those that are outside the industry, you know, we have a – outside of the energy industry, um, you know, we want to see how many tech companies survive during this because those will be the job creators for the future, right? The small, medium businesses are, and uh, particularly around tech will be the job creators for, for the future. Um, you know, if we could, uh, you know, so that's going to be important. Um, and how fast capital comes into, into this market is going to be another indication. In, well, the in tech company survival and, and capital, those, those are very closely linked. <laughs> they are, yeah. Um, and then longer term, it, it, you know, we're, it's really clear, like it is office space absorption, talent, employment. So how are we helping people transition is really important. So we're, we're running a program right now, Tyler, called Edge Up, and it's the worst acronym ever, but it's the best program. And it's called Energy to Digital Growth. No. Yeah. Growth, Education and Upskilling. Edge Up. So I did not know it was an acronym. I just thought it was like, you're going to get an edge on it. Like I just took it as a literal, which I guess is okay. I did not know it was an acronym. 
I know it's crazy. But that is a mouthful. That's a mouthful. I, I, I blame a marketing company or somebody had a hand in that, but that's another story. <laughs> yeah. It's a government government acronym, but that's okay. Uh, it's a really oh, okay. good program. So it's, you know, it's taking energy workers who have been displaced and teaching them about digital technology so they can go solve problems for companies that they're familiar with. Right. And so, um, so the program, we, we were running a pilot, a hundred people. We had 10 times the amount of applicants and, and, and uh, frankly, yeah, you be Next question of like, is there a lineup down the street for this program? Lineup down the street. We need to do thousands of people through this. And yes. there's a cultural piece, there's a technology piece or a, a practical piece. And then there's a capstone project and a placement. And, and frankly, when you think about it, every industry is going to go through this. We're just so fortunate that we get to do a pilot on it. Yes. But I, you know, but you, it doesn't matter if it's in energy, agriculture, transportation, financial services. Like th there, this is happening everywhere across every industry is this digital transformation. And so we're very fortunate we get to do a, a pilot. We're, we're, you know, but it, the, you know, that's the heartwarming part of it. The heartbreaking part of it is I want to put <laughs> thousands of people through that program, not hundreds. And so we need How more. Long, when did that program, when did that program get started? February. And so it's the first cohort is 50 and they're still continuing through COVID. Um, what we're really okay. keen to do is get them the capstone project so they can work on the capstone projects and then do work placement. But, um, and you know, then the, the next cohort is starting in June. So we're just going through the interviewing process for okay. that. Right and now. are they directly linking up with these same tech companies and, or are they working into the oil and gas sector and helping them with their digital transformation? It will be the, the placement will be everywhere. It will be. So yeah. first of all, the post-secondaries deliver the cur curriculum, the technical okay. curriculum. Um, and then, um, the, but the capstone projects will be across industry. So some of them will be tech companies, which is good because, you know, mm -hmm. the tech companies in the city had uh, a lot of hesitation about hiring people out of the energy industry because of uh, compensation expectations, culture, et cetera. So it's a good way to do a test drive, right, for both. Um, and then uh, it will be uh, some of them will go right back into their sector and and or go into another industrial sector like agriculture or transportation where they can take their scientific thinking and critical thinking into another industry with an application and experience and experience with large scale high, often high risk environments like a really solid talent like like fundamental base just retooled for a new set of skills. And so to the pilot, is it 50, the next cohort as well? So it's just, yes. it's a, it's a hundred, it's a hundred. I, I, I see your frustration. Like, mm -hmm. okay, this is great. Let's, let's flood it with as many people as possible, which is great for post-secondary as well to actually give yeah. them a whole new offering to the market. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, that's, that's uh, so a question. It maybe ties into this a little bit. I was doing some research this morning, just on numbers that were jumping out for me. And the one that hit me, that's the scariest is the Jason Kenny floating out the 25% unemployment number in the, in the future. And, you know, we're at 8.7 now, which is, just, I, I remember the good old days that I'm too young to say that when it was like, almost felt like we were 0% unemployment in Alberta. I've yeah. been here since 2000. And I, I, again, I'm too young to say, remember the good old days. Any thoughts on that? I'm kind of putting you on the spot with that number of like, do you see that as a reality? I know it's a big number and it's put out there in, in during a very dark time. And mm -hmm. I guess, is that the path we're headed on? As a, because if provincially we're headed there, then obviously as a city, we're going to be affected. Or What are your thoughts even around a prediction like that? I think he's probably... Yeah, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot, Mary. <laughs> that's fine. I think he's probably right on the mark. Um, I think we are going oh, to see... That's scary. Yeah. And you, you know, a lot of those, a lot of the people that were displaced, you could see them even in the first 15 days of March. Right. So um, like we'll get the unemployment stats next Friday 
So, um, you know, stay tuned for that. But April will be quite telling, I think. Um, but even in the first few days of March, you know, we saw uh, young female, typically in hospitality, retail, those types of things, lose their jobs right away. And so, um, and, you know, I think some of the programs helped and there were some rehiring back in some sectors, but not all. And so I think, you know, you think about then how it extended over, how it evolved over the next 15 days, the latter part of March, the beginning of April, you know, I would not be surprised if our April, May numbers were, you know, that high for sure. Um, you know, when the structural change happened in the energy industry, Calgary got hit hard and fast, right? And because we're a white collar market, a white collar uh, city, and um, like we went from 4.9 to 10.4 within about a, a period of 18 months, which was alarming back then, right? And even though we slowly have been chipping it away at it, um, what you know, there's a little bit of misperception about pre-COVID unemployment numbers. So Calgary, you know, was still in the sevens, right? Um, it was bouncing around and getting a little bit worse uh, in in the early part of uh, 2019, but, uh, you know, came out of 2019 a, a lot stronger than I expected anyway. I think we were down at 7% at one point. And, um, it, did, it did feel like we were slightly on a positive, like the, the word was like, yeah, no, it's not great, but we're good. And before the, co before the COVID hit, it did feel like there was a slight degree of positivity. I don't know. It just felt like we were moving in a better direction. And then literally the left, the double, the double punch came in. <laughs> I know I curse one of my employees. She, um, you know, she's, she's a super smart woman, but she said to me at the end of 2019, 2020, it's going to be a defining year for our organization and the city of Calgary. And we, it was it meant in a positive, positive. Yeah, yeah she wasn't context. wrong. She wasn't wrong. <laughs> no, and we always laugh about that now because we're like, we didn't think it would be this defining. But anyway, but I do think Calgary will get hard and, and, and get hit fast. And I think we have to pay attention to the other jurisdictions because when it's in hospitality and retail, there's just, as they say, there's we're dealing with mystery, not history here. And will it jump back? I don't know. I don't know. But you know, I was I was so surprised when in 2014, in the first, you know, 18 months of the structural change in the energy industry that retail uh, was still quite high as was as hospitality, right? And so it was surprisingly so to walk down 17th Ave and see how busy things still were. I had yeah. that. I was like, okay, if I just saw this, I wouldn't know that that was going on at the same I time. I agree. I agree. Not necessarily in downtown Calgary, but on 4th Street, 17th Avenue, I agree with you. And so... Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, I do think Jason Kenny probably has a good handle on it. I think it's probably going to be about 25%. The question is, is how, how quickly will it bounce back? Right. And yes, yeah, so if it's just a, a peak and a reality of this, this kind of unprecedented situation, but when things start coming back, you know, back online, whatever that means, how quick does it drop back down? And what does that look like? That's again, it's, it's mystery, not history. I, I, yeah. I'm going to use that a couple of times you today. Do. Just, you do. Okay. It's not mine. So. <laughs> But look what's happening in the U.S., right? 33 million people. 33 million. The whole size of Canada unemployed right now. <laughs> Those numbers always stagger me when you can go, oh, yeah, you mean the population of California or i.e. Canada <laughs> kind of thing when it comes to a comparative. It's, yeah, I, I, this the, 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 the end of this story is like the, there's still a few more chapters to be written, 100%. 100%. Yeah. But, you know, I think. Last, last Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was going to say. You know, I, I I still think there are great opportunities here for Calgary. Calgary is an amazing city. And for a person that wasn't born here, right, has worked all over the world, lived all over the country, like it is still a fantastic city. And, 
you know, I think in some ways we're prepared for uh, to come out of this stronger and better because we have had so many bumps along the way, right? And and in long term and short term, right? So uh, and and there's this really there's a much stronger sense of attachment to this community than there ever has been. Um, I started to talk about the workforce. We actually had more people working in Calgary at, in 2019 than we ever have in the history of Calgary. But because there were people still moving here, population was growing. I, I was going to ask you about the like in a net new migration and what, what where that is as an indicator. Because I remember years ago when things were booming and a lot of my friends that were in the housing industry, that was one of their key indicators, their numbers of like, there's just a flood of people coming into the province. Hmm. Yeah, there still was 20,000 20, a year coming in during this that structural change from 2014. To uh, consider, we had the most people working in Calgary in our history, but yet we're in, we were in a like the heart of a, of a of a restructuring of a structural change. I need to. I like the way you say that. I haven't been using that term. Mm. It's much more realistic without being as negative sounding as yeah. the downturn and depression and you know the oil disaster or whatever you want to call it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So from a well, a couple things. Um, things that are going on in the city. You talked about the Edge Up program. Part of the show is also getting people to be exposed to things they might not have heard about. Is there any programs or things that you you want to call out and that we've had Terry rock on the show and Daniel Torrey, and we've had so many people on, but there's every time I have a guest like yourself, there's something that I haven't heard about, or I didn't understand like the edge up program. Is there anything that you want to call attention to that needs to get a little bit more, uh, you know, awareness? Yeah. I, I mean, the other program, so, you know, we're very proud of the work that startup Calgary and Danielle Torrey is doing and she's remarkable. And you know, that she is, I'm a big fan. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, who can't be a fan of hers, to tell you quite honestly? That's a very good point. That, yeah, that, that, <laughs> at that point, I'm just going to say there's something wrong with them, but I'll just leave that at that. <laughs> <laughs> but even just you look at Launch Party, right? And Launch Party has grown so dramatically even in the last three years. Like we had 1,200 people. It was packed It was packed this year when I went. I blew my mind. <laughs> I know. Everybody needed to go to that event, right? And there was so much- I energy. was more bullish on Calgary when I left that room than when I went in. Like it had that right. impact on me, actually. <laughs> I exactly. There was so much energy in the room and it was just, it was fantastic. Right. It's just, it is the future. That is the future of Calgary. Um, so a couple of programs that I'm also really keen on and one that we took, uh, we invested in uh, is the intergen program, which is the um, mentoring program. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So this is taking, uh, you know, startup and scale up companies and, and, and attaching them to a mentor uh, who is probably more seasoned in their career, probably like 50 plus. And, and it's interesting to watch because obviously this older, more seasoned generation is learning a lot about technologies and various other things, but they're, they're helping with the discipline required to scale a company. Yeah, the, the, the kind of the, the, and we, we actually have right now we have more companies than mentors. So Anybody that's, um, you know, in the later stages of their career and looking for a way to give back to the community, it's a great program to get involved in. Uh, so that's one that well, I, I would have... I- that's interesting to hear that because there's so many smart like people that are in that stage of their career that have done really well. Uh, oh, that's terrible to hear. You have a shortage. All right, I'm gonna I'll make that. I know a few people. I'm gonna even talk to about that specifically. That you have got more. You've got more companies than you do mentors. Yeah, that's a great opportunity to get them. Continuing to do virtual uh, meetups and stuff like that over the COVID period. So I have a lot of faith and confidence, and I think it's actually a program that a lot of other jurisdictions that are probably further hard, further ahead in their innovation 
journey or technology journey or digital journey than we are like the Waterloo's, et cetera. And they're looking at this program and going, going, how do we create something like that here? Right. And they probably don't have the inventory of very seasoned business people like we do as a head office center. But I, I like I, I like how you refer to it as inventory. <laughs> I should be we, 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 we have a commodity here and it's and it's smart people in the later parts of their career after who have done who have done well in the by the city and in the city or in this That's province. Right. Yeah, so that's, All right, I'm gonna definitely. That's a great one. And the other is the trade accelerator program. So this is a program that uh, we run out of our organization, and um, it's quite an intensive program. But you know, one thing that Alberta isn't so great at, great at is is exporting their products to new markets, right? Like even when you think about the energy industry, our primary customer is the U.S., right? But uh, you know, and, and we're better at it in agriculture for sure, but often we're sending raw materials and then bring buying them back as something else. Like, you know, yes, I've, I've, I've had some of those conversations as well. So we've got to, we've got to really teach people here how to create added value, but also get them ready for finding more customers in more markets. Cause that's going to make a more sustainable economy and in 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 the long run and so we we've run uh, over 100 people through that trade accelerator program and it's everybody from you know there's lots of people in food and beverage that are in there that are now going into international markets there's some technology companies um, so it's really an interesting diverse group and uh again i love going to the events for these things because it is the future right they are companies that started as one person in their garage or two people in the garage and they've grown it um, in creating great products because the brand of Canada in some of these international markets is so strong. It's, and often the food and or agriculture uh, brand in, Calgary, in Canada is still quite strong too. And so, you know, it, it's the poster child for, uh, in my mind, the poster child for uh, trade in our province is Sunterra, who, you know. Okay, yeah. They, yeah, every, that's a, basically a household name as well. <laughs> right. And I often cite the time that I was in Tokyo on a mission and went into the Costco in Tokyo. You know, Japan's what, 102 yes. <laughs> million, population of 122 million. And Sentara had, uh, you know, pork Pork is a very popular product. And Sentara had, uh, uh had like 70% of the market or for the Canadians had 40% of the pork market in, in, um, in, in Japan and Sentara had about 70 or 80% of it. That's a lot of people. And that, yeah, that's a, that's an impressive number against a huge backdrop. Yeah. And it took them uh, 10 well, years. You said it earlier. Yeah. You said it earlier in your, you know, our, our future and our success is going to be playing off our strengths. So talking about a strong Canadian brand and talking about all those things to go into a net new, like a whole new, I don't have any experience or, you know, kind of permissibility to be here. It can be exciting, but it does take a lot longer and the roadblocks are, are frequent. So leaning in where we already know, but then shoring it up with things like knowing how to access new markets. And that's, uh, those seem very, those seem more attainable to me yeah. when you, when you lay them out that way. Yeah. And when yeah. we need, and since we're on a 15 year journey, every little step towards the win is, is a step in the right direction. Yeah. I think we should, we should stop punishing ourselves, looking for silver bullets and just chip away at it. Right. You know, uh, it, yes, I think we I, all, whether, whether it's, whether it's wealth, uh, economic transformation or weight loss, we all want a silver bullet, don't we? <laughs> I know. And I'm the worst. because <laughs> I'm not a very patient person. And if there's anything that I've learned over the last five years, it's patience. So 
Can can you give me something in more of a now? I'm looking for something in a now. Do you have that time frame? <laughs> exactly. No, I appreciate the I appreciate your candor and 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 the willingness to jump on a call today and kind of talk about you know what's going on and we're all living it. And I'm very, I you can't live here and not be pro Calgary. It's such a fantastic place to live, and we've got all this potential. But but I should say, and how do we get streamlined? How do we get aligned? And how do we sometimes step out of our own way to be really you know to be kind but be honest about it? I agree. I agree. Uh, Mary, what's the best way for someone? Obviously, Calgary Economic Development, you guys are everywhere. If someone wants to get involved or understand more of your programs, is it just as easy as going to your website? Is it reaching out to someone in specific? What's the, what's the best way? Because I love colliding people together. It's my favorite thing to do. Yeah. Well, the first place to start is our website, for sure. And all of our employees are listed there. So uh, if you find a particular uh, focus area that you're interested in, then just reach out to any of our staff. We're happy to help. We're always... Uh, Keen to make new friends for sure. So, uh. <laughs> yes. Well, Ca- Calgary. I had someone from Toronto. I had a couple, um, a couple of people on that were bringing the Mesh Conference, which was a digital transformation conference to Calgary. It was supposed to be now, but we're going to. Yep. They're postponing it. And one of the ladies who was involved, she was a Torontonian, and she'd been all over the country. And she said, "You know, I never leave Calgary that I don't leave with four new friends." I know. And she goes, "That's kind of the minimum. It's sometimes more, but at least you're going to leave Calgary with four new friends." And I thought that was a really nice brand to be aware, of. like because I'm like, "What's the Toronto perception?" And that's what she kind of rolled out for me, and it kind of stuck with me as a, as a nice uh, as a nice thing to have out there as a way to think about Calgary because it is a, it is a great place to meet people, and people are very willing to help. And I think the more we capitalize on that, the better. I agree with you, and believe me, there's been a lot of research done on this too, right? So, <laughs> you know, often people will challenge me about. Um, should we should Calgary be part of the energy be the promotional brand for Calgary? And when mm, Calgary be yes. part of the energy was created, it wasn't it was to acknowledge obviously our key sector, but it was more about the vibe, the culture, the community spirit that we have, both in the way we conduct business, but the way we live our lives in our communities. And I don't what's interesting is testing has happened during uh, the twenty fourteen to twenty twenty period and and we've had like uh, you know, world-class scholars come in and, and also world-class practitioners come in and assess Calgary. And when they assess Calgary, like they walk up and down Stephen Avenue, go sit in bars. They're not like interviewing people. Do you know what I mean? They actually mm-hmm. live a life of a Calgarian. And uh, we have, uh, you know, it's come back with such conviction that every community says they have community spirit. Calgary is the city that can claim it. And so I like that we, we've tested it scientifically, quantitatively, qualitatively. It is true. <laughs> I really, I, again, I grew up in a small town back East. I, I'm, I, and I, I joke about this all the time. This is the biggest small town I've ever lived in. I grew up in a town of 800 people. There are so many similarities to my neighbors and my street and the people I know here compared to that commander living in Montreal or Toronto, which are great cities, but just very different from a sense of community that I have here that I just didn't have in those other places for sure. It's real. And it is part of our secret sauce. hundred percent. 100%. 100%. And we can never lose well, it. Well, let's, let's end on that very, very positive note. <laughs> Mary, thank you for your time. Be safe, be well. And I look forward to seeing you in person when we get to the other side of this, uh, this, this journey we're on. As do I. And thank you so much for the opportunity. And you be safe and be well. 